there, but he, I'm not going to lie, he had real estate right here. Oh, so I down. I hear it. Estate. I was, yeah, I was low-key shook, I'm not going to lie. I hear it, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. I, didn't, I, I did not want to get involved with him on the basketball court. <laughs> I didn't want it. <laughs> yeah, remember we're recording, right? I'm recording, yeah? We're recording, so I have all of this. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we can release that one right there. <laughs> you can't release that one right there, boy. <laughs> Yeah, let me get let me get a little softer and sexier with it. You know them ones. I don't know. I don't know why I changed my voice, bro. I yeah, just like the way my voice sounds on the mic. I oh, caught oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's we're recording. We live. We're live, baby. I hope we're we live. don't get I... that in the actual episode. It's in the episode. It's going to be in there because I control the editing on that. So you have no say. Thank you. Appreciate it. Say no more. But anyway, this is the Win by Two podcast uh, with your boys, Pure Kicks. I am Timmy Tanubu uh, with my co-host, one and only Flo. What are you saying? I'm here, bro. Episode three. Episode In three. The building. Come on. Come I'm on. Excited. It's Win by Two. It's Win by Two. The score is 10-10 and we're about to knock it down from range. You know the vibes. Um, how are you feeling, bro? What are you saying? I'm feeling good, man. Today's topic is a, is a good one. It's, it's one that I hold very dear to my heart. It's participation basketball in England. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Who's been in England? Is that the question? Who's been in England? I guess the question is, what is it like who's been in England, quite frankly? If uh, a little insight yeah. for all of our listeners, potentially around the world. Well, we know we have some viewers around the world. Shout out to youtube.com forward slash pure kicks. Um, but if you're around the world, kind of find out a little bit more about what it's like to uh, hoop in the UK? Because there's a lot of like uh, speculation around it. Um, some kind of people just guessing about what it might look like, some parody of it. But I guess this yeah. episode, we wanted to just kind of talk a little bit more about what it's been like for our careers from young, even to up until now. Things we'd like to see, things we've seen, things we'd like to see, uh, so on and so forth, really. Um, but yeah, I think... Was there anything else we had to say before we get started? No, that's no, it, bro. That's pretty much that's it. That's it. And obviously, our perspective is, is from the London Hooper. We're both yeah. from London. So we 100%. can't speak about all the different towns and cities in England. True. Um, but it's tough, man. It's extremely tough um, trying to improve your game and do something with basketball in England, okay? Yeah. Now, why is this such a huge topic? Well, just a few years ago, I believe this was in 2017 or 2018, yeah. Sport England decided to no longer fund basketball in England, okay? Let me Eesh. get a bit more specific with that one. Mm. So, Sport England, if I'm correct here, all right, please, I don't, I, we can Google this up. Yeah. Needs be. Uh, Sport England funds grassroots basketball yeah. and uh, professional sports. Right? They fund both. And they released funding for grassroots basketball in England. So that's for all the kids growing up, yada, yada. And yada, for the yada. next four years, which is for about four million pounds, I believe. Jesus. However, they are no longer funding their international teams, the professionals. Yeah, Great Britain. Why is this a huge issue? It's massive because it doesn't really give the professionals much motivation to want to play for their international squad, especially if their own country doesn't want to support it. 
doesn't support it. That's mad. Imagine, imagine you playing a game and had no fans. That's exactly what it is. And it's crazy because in England, I believe basketball is the number two, the number two most played team sport. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. You know what it is? It's the fastest growing team sport, I believe. I think it's still behind rugby and me. I don't think it's behind cricket, but I think it might still be behind rugby. Um, well, it's in there. I know it's in the list. It's, it's up there, regardless. It's yeah, a it's high in the list. It's in the conversation. Growing uh, team sport, massive one, in fact. Yeah. And why is there so much controversy? Well, we believe it's because 55%, just above 55%, of all participants in the UK are of ethnic minority. Mm. And this is huge because it's the only team sport which is somewhat like that. And yeah, you know, why is there no funding from Sport England? Why do they not want to inspire the youth, the next generation? Well, they came out and said it's because they believe that there is no, uh, <laughs> no potential of winning. You know, yes. which I find absolutely insane because how can you decide whether or not we're going to win and, and, and use that decision and base, sorry, base your decision to fund us off that speculation? Do you know what I'm saying? I think like, that's, you know crazy. why it's cheeky? It's cheeky because no shots fired, but it's not like England football is winning anything. Like, big and serious, if you look at, um, if I've got this right, I know internationally we get moved to by everyone else. But then you think of things like the Prem, Flo, you could probably um, do, be uh, do better for me on this. Or not, not the Prem, the Prem is the is UK one, isn't it? And then the, uh, yep. the Champions League is the European one. Got that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so in the Champions League, we're not doing anything over there either because we get moved to. Sorry, so, in the Champions League, we do because oh, yeah. obviously that, that's with Liverpool. Liverpool won the Champions League last season. But more to do with uh, you know, England as an international squad. Oh, no, for they sure. They don't do nothing, yeah. bro. They've not done anything since 1966, and they still talk about it. It's been a minute. So, you know, why do we pick and choose when we're going to support our international teams? Doesn't make any sense to me. Shouldn't sport be about inspiring the next generation? You mm. know, most of the kids that play basketball in England, I'm um, sorry, in London, live in urban populated areas. You know, these are kids that, you know, are wasting time on the streets. Yeah. But we could be helping them out. But we don't. And it's, like you, you know? said, it's, it's, it's literally it's, a choice not to. And I think that's what's a little sad about the situation. It's they're choosing to. It's not that anything's stopping them. Um, but I think, again, you, you sound like you definitely know a little bit more than me. I'm learning a couple of things from here, which I love. But... I think there's just the underlying factor to it. And I think it's not just money. Obviously, football's a massively money-generated sport. It generates a lot of revenue it's going to because the amount of people that play it. But if we're talking about yeah. winning, we're not winning. So can we not figure out something else that we might be able to win at? Is there not time no. to maybe explore a little bit more than we have? I don't know. I just, I'm just asking the question, really. And, um, yeah, man. Because you know what also got me? In 2012, when we had the Olympics, um, yep. obviously, uh, Great Britain obviously qualified because of hosting it. We went up against USA. Yes, the team lost. But we only lost by about 15 points or so, something like that, 15, less than 15 points. 
and we actually really held our own. It was one of the, it was an incredible game, if I remember correctly. I do remember correctly. So I remember yeah. watching that, and it was just a great game, great to watch. It was competitive, and it was soon after that the um, I think it was straight up the government, the government or whoever. I think it was was it Cameron at the time, the prime minister. Prime minister announced so basically, it's all this this event is about legacy. And it's about what we're going to do after having the Olympics. Obviously, we kept exactly. the, the, the sports park um, and we, we were continuing to use that. Um, and he did bring up basketball, if I remember correctly, and just saying that, look, we've really done something here. The guys really put what they could. They did, they did their best and we really have something here. And then there was so much talk around, wow, we really got hoopers. And then it kind of faded away, which is a bit of a shock. It's quite a shame. It's and the a most important well. thing... The most important thing that I, that I took away from that 2012 game, yeah, yeah, was not even the fact that we lost. It was just so inspirational to see British basketball players go against the best in the world. The greatest. That, for Legendary me, names. as a young hooper, bro, it was pure inspiration. And it motivated me to even buy a GB jersey. I bought myself oh, wow. a GB jersey, bro. And this yeah, is what I'm it. saying. I think this is why basketball is so important. Yeah, it's so important because it... it does a great deal of good inspiring kids from urban areas to participate in the sport. It's not about winning or losing. It's about inspiring the youth. I agree. And I think and winning comes after. Once you've inspired the youth, winning can easily follow. But it's, the goal is to get people to play it and want to work at their game exactly. and want to continue to play. And when you got people who are hungry to work on their game and get better, winning will follow every single time. I promise you that. Exactly. And then, you know, on the topic of working on our games, yeah, it's so tough to get any any court access here in the UK. People. It's tough. It's tough. It is. It's more than tough, bro. It's damn near impossible, quite frankly. First of all, you gotta make sure the weather's good. That's number one. <laughs> yeah, if the weather's not good, yeah, yeah. forget about it. Yeah, weather. here in the UK, the weather is temperamental. One the day most. it's sunny. The next day it's raining. The next. One minute is hail. The next is snow. That's what we have to deal with here in the UK. That's what we have to deal with. But in, in, the, in the months that are supposed to be your snow months, there'll be sun out of nowhere. There'll just be a yep. sunny day. It'll be a little bit nippy out there, but it's pure sun. Clear skies, little cold in the air, but there'll be sun out of nowhere. And it doesn't make any sense. And the same days in summer, cold rain, wet rain. The wet kind. Oh, it's frustrating. It's tough. Doesn't I don't know how we do it, sense. Frank. Doesn't make any sense. Global warming is real, people. And Global warming is real. And then trying to get court access is the most impossible thing. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Badminton players in the UK win. I don't know yeah. what it is, but they get priority when it comes to bookings. We don't want uh, smoke. Even when, even when you do get a court booking... If there is before or after badminton player, they, they take the piss. Yeah, let's not sugarcoat it over here. Let's not sugarcoat it. What it is, what it is that gets me about them is that if, if your booking ends at five and theirs starts at five, obviously, they're setting up from 4.55, bringing out nets, yep. getting in the way of the three-on-three three or even the full court, rolling shit out and then acting like it's all, court, like it's, like it's all good. Vice versa... Don't get me wrong, I know we're maybe eating into your time a little bit here, but the game is heated. Can we just finish? We said, look, two more buckets, we're almost done. They said, no, I'm rolling this net into your game. Exactly. We don't want to smoke with badminton players. Bam. Exactly. And they're ready. Yeah. 
And then their footwear is all dusty, so they believe in dust all over the court. Leaving no one cleans that. We step on and we're slipping and sliding. Why? That's what you have to yeah. do. When it comes to court, you have to get the morning booking. Have to get the morning, 9 to 12, anything after that, you're, 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 you're slipping. Because it just got, it should have got exactly. clean that morning anyway. Sometimes it don't. But it should have got clean that morning. And that's the best time to book. But it's tough. And, and yes, you know, we do sound salty right now because obviously this is, <laughs> this is probably what every hooper in the UK experiences. But again, we have to go back to a point of, you know, Sport England, uh, you know, supporting basketball in the UK and trying to help that young hooper do something with the sport. Limited uh, access to courts is, again, a tough one because such a we're out here trying to work on our game. There are people out here in the UK that genuinely see their game as, a, as an artwork, as a craft, and every day want to improve on, upon that craft, but we can't because court access is limited. We, you, you can go outside, but like we mentioned, the weather is tough. It's Some courts tough. don't even have nets on them. So Which it's is never nice. That is fine to get that work in. You know what I'm saying to me? No, I hear you fully. I feel it. And then that goes on to another point about because the weather's not great, because the nets may be missing, you have to find the indoor court. But in order to find an indoor court, you've got to put up some money. You have to put up some peas. And when we say put up some peas, we're talking up some peas. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. And for a young hooper, it's tough. It's tough to ask mum and dad, can I have, I don't know, what is it, 30 pounds so I can get an hour in on a half court by myself? Maybe if you get some friends together, get everyone to chip in, she'll be able to cut that down. But it's, it's just harder than that because sometimes the times are off. Yeah, the only time we have is 9.30 to 10.30 p.m. Oh, that's just great. That's, uh, I'm, not I'm in out. school. I'm in school. A.M., I'm in school. Every... <sighs> And then weekends, packed. It's already been booked by all the adults. Oh, forget about it. Forget about it. And then, Monday, and then Sunday closed. That's just great. Thank you. Yep. All right, sweet. No, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see you next Saturday. It's tough. It's actually it's frustrating. So That's it. And then even when you do get your friends together and whatnot, you got what? What? You do a little half-court thing. Let's go three on three. All six of us will chip in five pounds each, whatever. And then no one's paying you. Oh, nah, let me get you after my guy. Oh, hold on. I didn't bring cash, you know. <laughs> let me go. Let me go. Um, cash point. And then you're like, okay, yeah, quick, go now. We're about to play, bro. Let me just go afterwards. And then by, when, when the game is done, they're gone. Money's out your pocket now. This it's is tough. What I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. True stories from Hoopers in London. Bro, bro. Yeah, this is what we've been through on a daily basis. Yeah. Bro, let's talk about you know, what it's like to play basketball in England as a youth man, yeah? Yeah. As a kid growing up... Let's take it back. Uh, aspiring to play professional basketball. That's right. What is that process like? Obviously, in the States, we know how it works. You yeah. know, you play, in, you play in high school, you work your way through high school. Hopefully, you can get yourself ranked. Even if you don't, you can get yourself a scholarship, go to college, and then once you leave college, you do your thing. Mm. Um, we now see, obviously, that that whole scape is changing, but yeah. the, the, the pathway is somewhat still the same. True. Some kids are now opting to go play overseas um, or even in the G League instead of going straight to college, which is cool. G League um, is a big, big thing. Obviously, I think it's Jalen Green. Jalen Green is our first to opt out of college 
and go get paid straight away in the G League. And then because of that, NCAA have fucked up their ideas and are, I believe are starting to allow players to make money off their likeness. So we'll be able to right. sign autographs, make appearances. Um, I don't think they get any money from selling of jerseys or whatnot because that's all NCAA money. But they can use their likeness to make to get deals, get shoe deals, um, get um, get paid for being themselves. I think is huge. No, in um, the G League they can. Yeah, in the G League, yes. But well, I, I don't know if the NCAA are also going to try that because think about it: if all the best prospects are going to end up going G League, who's watching NCAA oh, yes. too tough anymore? So they're going to have to compete in a way. And just kind of create yes. a better product for these players. Almost a free market. So it's pretty exciting for that. Big, 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 yeah. big, big. So again, you know, that, that, that pathway to success is somewhat clear for hoopers in the States. They know what they need to do um, in order to get to that next step. That next step, sorry, because the, the blueprint is out there. Yeah. Whereas here in the UK, it's a bit more ambiguous. Big words. Bam. Blueprint yeah, is bit, hazy. It's, it's very, very, very hazy very hazy there's, there's, in fact there's not actually a blueprint it's just it's almost some notes that kind of all of us people probably our age have been creating over the years trying to figure it out and a lots of trial and error and just haven't quite clocked it just yet but it's changing but no sorry who's now yeah and in the uk is there a route to to, to playing in the pros i'll say there are different ways to make it and some kids have taken uh, the option of going to play overseas at a young age um, or going to play in um, America in high school or even going to college in, in, in America and mm. then I guess jumping on that bandwagon and then hopefully getting themselves some opportunity that way. Yeah. And I know that right now, most kids, what they do is if they're good enough, they try and play in a men's league here in the UK. That's and that's what we do. Even in the league that Timmy and I play in, which is the NBL yeah. Division One and Division Two, yeah. you do see some kids in there, you know, 17, 18 years old, that are really good, too good to play in the under 18s league, yeah. playing with men's. Or maybe both. They're playing in both the under 18 and the 20s because the, the games will, will, will differ in time. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And obviously, scouts will see that these kids are playing with grown men, putting up great numbers, and then getting the opportunities that way. But again, those opportunities are limited. There's not too many. Scouts can't be everywhere. There's not really that many scouts. And I think what, what I understand about the youngsters paying up and trying to get more games in is to build up more stats. Because what, what I right. know they're doing is you're finding a lot more youngsters signing to agents um, and creating yep. mixtapes and creating highlight tapes and using YouTube, which is a powerful, powerful tool right now, to create their highlight tapes, get all the games they can in, build up all the stats, and um, upload it on there and then share it via their agent or even share it themselves, um, right. which is almost, I guess, I wouldn't say doing it yourself because I don't know how many scouts are really here for European basketball leagues that's looking for British young men and girls to play in their league. So almost you have to kind of right. put yourself out there rather than coming to find you, um, yeah. which it seems to be the case of a few people that we know who have made those exact jumps through agents and creating highlight tapes. Yeah, you have to be extremely proactive. Timmy, I have a question for you. Um, I may have an You answer. played basketball in Spain. I did. Um, question one, uh, how, how did the opportunity come about and yeah. what was that experience like? So it came, I actually mentioned it in episode one, talking about kind of our background. It was my coach and now current coach, Coach Pedrag, um, who came to my school. Um, I can't remember the right. year. It was a while. Obviously, I was a youngster. 
uh, to become our head basketball coach. Um, he was specifically there for basketball, which is actually a huge step. Um, he was part of the faculty team. You know that every school probably has specialized teachers in PE who specialize in a sport, but he was our, he was specialized in basketball. And um, right. exactly what he did, he, he obviously coached the team uh, and whatnot, uh, me and my teammates at the time. And it wasn't until I got to like year 10, year 11, we started just kind of speaking about next steps for what that might look like for me once all is done. And then when year 11 came around, he had a conversation with some people that he knew uh, around Europe and about academies uh, and just how I can potentially get my game to the next level. Um, and kind of what bridge can we build for Timmy to achieve his dreams of becoming pro in America, basically. Uh, knowing that right. the... The, the kind of the obvious bridge was that American bridge and American college and university and such. Um, they kind of pieced together that there was academy. There was an academy in Grand Canaria with massive links just like that. I would head over there, um, supported by my school, which I'll forever be thankful for. So shout out Bacon's College forever. Um, I headed over there. I was in, like I said, I was in there for three years. Again, he basically pulled some strings. He asked around. He had showed people tape of me. He had showed people. He asked people to come to games. I I didn't know even there. He would then over tell. He would tell me like afterwards that yeah, this person was here watching the game. So well done. And yeah, yeah. I never knew these people were coming to oh, watch. Sick. It was just him pulling strings and whatnot. But like I said in that first episode, um, I had one of those stellar careers as a child, and that was quite fun. Uh, I'll never forget those days. So that was great. So it really just came around from Pedrag kind of noticing the, the talent uh, and looking to, to to mold it and really see what he could do with it. And um, an incredible experience. And then getting there, it gave me an opportunity to go up against some of the best talent in Europe of my age and even older as well. I was part of the, I was there for three years. So I was a junior there for one year and a, and a senior for two, if I got that right. Something like that. Um, and yeah, so like I said, from all over... Europe, just playing all day. Three days was our thing. We train in the morning, super early at like six thirty a.m. up until about nine, um, and then we might have a gym nice. session. Gym sessions, or we call them push-ups and sit-ups. A little bit after that, then we'll have lunch and we'll chill out for a little bit, hour or two. Then we have afternoon practice, um, which was about from about two after eating from about two to about four four five um then we chill out again then dinner at six or six or so then last practice is from about seven to about 10 sometimes 11 um and it's nice. back to back to the rooms for sleep uh, over time afternoon practice became a privilege we actually changed our venue um because we were working with i think we were working with the grand canaria team and so because we got a new court because we were actually playing in a university afternoon practice became a privilege for those who were picked so as a junior, they had a junior afternoon practice and they had a senior afternoon practice. And I, I kind of found myself in there in the senior ones. Again, he would pick 12 to 15 players off of about, I don't know, maybe about 50 of us in that academy at any one time. Okay. Um, and then you'd have afternoon practice. And afternoon practice was really just working on your game, um, doing a lot of scrimmaging uh, and so on and so forth. But yeah, gym sessions were, were, were there. We had a university at our disposal. Um, it was sick. It was very, very sick. I, I, at the time, I was, I was dead. I was, I was definitely finished. Um, to do, to, to, I was finished. Three days were wild. But looking back, yeah, incredible experience. And I think definitely one of the best things I've ever chosen to do. Uh, and definitely one of the best things I've achieved as well. So for sure. 
amazing. That's absolutely amazing. To me, it sounds like your opportunity to go to Spain came from your coach, from Coach Pedrak, mm-hmm. right? And this is, this, is, this is crazy because the team that I trained with, um, I didn't actually play basketball. My first season was when I was 21. Yeah. So up until then, all I had done was obviously just playing in the parks and whatnot. And I had two summers where I trained with a team, uh, yeah. Newham Youngbloods. And Coach Caroline, who is still the coach right now, actually. What's that, Caroline? Um, she had links in America. Every summer, she used to take a group of the best kids out to the States and, and, and enter them into various tournaments. Yeah. And then uh, college coaches would obviously see them play. And she had college coaches um, that she'd contact personally as well um, yeah. to get kids in their programs. And so, yeah, you know, hearing your story, and I guess matching that with what I know um, about kids and how they gain opportunities. And um, it sounds like all opportunities to, to expand here in the UK, you know, come from coaches and their contacts outside. Yeah. There isn't a direct path for kids to, to play professional basketball, not just in the UK, but anywhere in the world. Even though yeah. we have a British basketball league here, there isn't a direct route to, to yeah. even play in our own British Basketball League. Yeah. Um, if you want to play in the British Basketball League, you've got to do that off your own back. And if you want to go out there and play in the States, either your own back or you've got to know a fucking amazing coach that has some <laughs> great links out there. Yeah, so it just goes nice. to show how important the coach role is for a UK Hooper. And I think as well, what we've not mentioned, I think this is something Hoopers are trying to change. For example, Luol Deng, of course, as those know, is an NBA legend. Um, came, comes back every year for something called Den Camp, doesn't he? So he holds yeah. Den Camp, which is somewhat the top 50 under 20s, I want to say, or is it under 18? Have I said that right? Under 18s. Under 18. So it's a top 50 kind of tournament, kind of showcase. Um, and with a player like that, people are going to notice when you're running a camp. And he runs it every single year. Um, and some brand new faces kind of come from it all the time. So that's another thing which yeah. is huge. Um, really hope that keeps going. Again, I don't know if that's sponsored by Sports England or anything like that. I know it just kind of comes from him. Um, so it's an amazing that he's using his legendary status to bring back uh, a little something for, for home, which is how it's done, really, exactly. how it should be done. Exactly, bro. And obviously, you know, we're talking about it because it's something that does need improving. But, you know, there are individuals here in the UK that are actively trying to improve, um, you know, those connections between players and professionals. Um, it's not like there's nothing being done. No. There are people out here that are actively trying their best and it is yeah. improving, um, especially with a lot of these kids now. A lot of these kids now playing, you know, our divisions and they are cold boopers, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah, of these yeah, kids yeah. can Some play. Some of these kids are yeah. different. They are different. Some of them are just built different. Yeah. Some of them are seeing new things online because of, again, like I said earlier, the, the power of YouTube. Um, they're being able to learn things a lot earlier than we were ever able to learn them because we had to wait for coaches to teach us. Um, but these guys okay. are, have coaches online from all over the world teaching them how different, how to create a shot, how to work on your defense, how to um, handle the basketball. They're all from the comfort of their own home. Um, and they can just do that. As a kid, that's all you, that's all you want to do is just work on it. And yeah. so no wonder that the kids now, these 17, 16, 17, 18 year olds are just different, different youths. Yeah. And big shout out to Hoops Fix as well. Hoops oh, Fix most definitely. is a, a platform um, in which players get to showcase what they're able to do. 
Um, yeah. Always have for many years now as well. Yeah, for many years. It's, it's actually incredible. It, it really does put players on. When I was growing up, we had Midnight Madness. Oh, um, let's go. Midnight Madness was incredible, you lot. Yeah, it was probably the best thing that we had to look forward to in basketball. Like, especially during the summer. Summertime basketball. The best. That was it. That's, I can't that's lie. Every, everyone kind of, um, what's the word? You aspired to that moment in summer. Exactly. That's what it was. That's what it was. You low-key worked on your game all year in your games and whatever you could work on for that moment in summer. Wow. For that moment. Midnight Madness was that opportunity to really make a name for yourself. Yeah. I'm upset because as I started to get good at basketball, (laughs) Midnight Madness is now cancelled. They don't run it anymore. It's just not here. It just dissolved. This massive event that I've been planning for my whole life (laughs) is now gone. Safe. No, to give you to context, runs Midnight Madness. To give you context on those who don't know what Midnight Madness was, it was just basically a, a show and prove tournament um, to find, I would say, the top fifth, the top 30 players across the UK. And when I say top 30, um, Midnight Madness would basically up and go all over the, the country um, with a show and prove uh, platform, which is simply you'd head over there, you'd get your number, you'd get your jersey, um, you didn't make your own teams, did you? You didn't. You got put in teams. You could, you could make your own teams. You could, okay, you you could, could make your own teams. teams. Or you, you could, could enter as a, as a free agent. Yeah, you could enter yourself and get put in with others, or you can go there with your own five. Um, you pick up your jersey and your number. You obviously sign up as normal. And then they would have uh, special, I would say, ref, normal referees and then special referees who would um, score the game. And when I say score the game, uh, what we mean is every positive thing you did would add to your personal score. So scoring a bucket, for example, was worth two. Scoring a three-pointer was worth three. Um, uh, An assist would be worth one. A steal would be worth two. All of these things add into your score. Everything negative would take away. So a turnover might be minus three. Um, Getting blocks would be minus one. Getting the ball stolen from you might be minus one. And all these things are on the show and prove, right? So it's the show and prove courts, which are normally held at places with multiple courts and more games could go on. and then at the end of that location, because of course they'd held probably, I think they held like two in London and then one everywhere else because London was obviously yeah. always mobbed packed. Um, at the end of the day, the ones with the highest score, which is normally about the top coming out of London, probably the top 10 players that day would get something called a golden ticket. Um, whoever had the most points. who had, And again, you would play all day long, try and you'd get on the court as much as you could. Um, was it a tournament? Was it tournament based, or was it just more just get on the court and, and do your thing? I think it was tournament. Yeah, it was more just a, it was more just so a, everyone like got a scrimmage a amount thing. Of games. Yeah, it's more like a scrimmage. Yeah. Everyone tried to get um, uh, a similar amount of games, and then the golden ticket would then take you on to the semis. I right? Maybe the quarterfinals or something like that. Um, the, the all-nighter. Wow. The all-nighter. Uh, these the players would do the exact same thing again, but these are the golden ticket uh, golden ticket holders put into teams to go again for the same thing. Um, being watched by coaches and even some scouts at this point as well. So this is why this platform was so amazing. Um, and, and, again, and let me just inject quickly yes, here please. as well. Yes, please. One of the reasons why the second stage, the all-nighter was so amazing was because it was an all-nighter. So you, you would start hooping from like, what, was it like 7 p.m.? It was like 6 to 6, I think. Six, it was like 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Yeah. Hooper's dream. Hooper's everyone's dream. there. The best hoopers in England 
are in one building. We're stuck together for the next 12 hours and we're playing as many games as we can from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Are you held, held the Crystal Palace, wasn't it? it was yes. Crystal Palace, yeah. I yeah, mean, different, different locations each year, but Crystal yeah. Palace, I believe, was the yeah, last one. Yeah, that was the main one. It was, always has been the main one. Um, yeah. And then from that, which I think may have been well over a few hundred players or whatnot, they would go on to pick more golden tickets, I believe. I don't know if this goes straight to the finals after this. Was there a part after that? It goes straight to the finals after this, yeah. Okay, so this is where from about, I would say about 100-odd players, top 30 are getting picked for Team White and Team Black. And then um, you would, I think you would find that online if you made it. Uh, that's yeah, see, I, 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 I wouldn't know because I never made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Don't ask me. Well, um, I, I made it one year. I wasn't very good. I don't even want to talk about it too much. And then when I did, um, I found it online. And why? Because they said they'll, the names will be announced online at the Midnight Madness website, right? Cool. So then that's now 15 players on each team, Team White, Team Black. And this would then take you to either Crystal Palace. But the peak of this moment was at Wembley Arena. Um, where Team White versus Team Black would battle it out for the very, very best. Um, somewhat, this is for the finals somewhat, night. This is finals night. This is one game. Everyone was kitted out, looking fantastic. Normally a, yeah. a, a performance from a big artist. Uh, years, recent years were Chris Brown, then Buster Rhymes, and then Chipmunk was there. Um, the Wembley Arena was the peak, and that's when Buster Rhymes turned up and shut it down. It was crazy uh, yeah, at Wembley yeah, Arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mad. It was mad. It was mad. Um, and again, that year again was also powered very heavily by Nike, I believe. And they, that's where they kitted him yeah. out in the late, I think it was the Hyperdunk 20, it was Hyperdunk 2012 then, wasn't it? No, was it 2012? 2012 and the Hyperfuses as well. We had the Hyperfuse. 2008, sorry. 2008 was the Hyperfuse and the Hyperdunks. The good, good there ones. Go. The first Hyperdunks, right? Um, kitted him out in no crep, in tracksuits, paid for all the trophies. So once a team would win, everyone got a life, a, a human-sized trophy and they'd pick the MVP yeah. and they'd go down as the best player in the UK under Midnight Madness. And it was a title. It was a hell of a title to be... The mid, to, to, even, be a, to be a Midnight Madness finalist, for one, and then to be the Midnight Madness MVP was a different accolade for many. Oh, yeah, it was an honour. It was an honour. If you made oh the finals... If you made the finals, you would you would walk the streets with a different with a different bop. You'd wear the tracksuit. I mean, all the time. You, you, you only the finalists wore differently. This is what I'm saying. Only yeah. the finalists got the tracksuit. So you brought the tracksuit everywhere. Obviously, again, I never made the finals, so I, I can I can talk purely as a as a. <laughs> I'm talking purely as as You're a spectator human. here. Oh, I'm talking purely <laughs> as a spectator here. The final showcase was so amazing because not only were there sick games in each uh, yeah. uh, uh, category. Obviously, we had yeah. there was the women's game, under 18s, yeah. under 21s, and men's. Yeah. And not only was each game incredible. As soon as Nike was involved and they had that budget, budget, they had pro dunkers come down. Yes, so I really came contest. for the, I really came for the dunk contest, bro. I, that's what I was here for. Was do you know what I'm saying? Messed up. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, wavy. Yeah, 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 it was a crazy, crazy. If you came experience. to Mid Madness Finals as a spectator, you knew that the dunk contest was the one of the main events. It was anything. one of the main events. It was. It took. It took forever to get to the the men's game, which was the the creme de la creme, if you will. But then the dunk contest came, and I think that was half time in a men's game. I don't think it was. Maybe it was too long, but um, yeah, 
it was always one hell of a night. And like I said, the peak of it was Wembley Arena. The year after that, they had gone back to Crystal Palace. I believe that's, I think that's when they lost the Nike kind of sponsorship. And then the year after right. that, they took a break and then they came back and they held it at UEL, which is actually the year I made it. Um, and then that was the last year, if I remember, which I might have been like 2011. Wow. Maybe I made that up. I don't know. It wasn't, yeah, that's when it happened. It's whatever. That's, that's incredible. We, no, we no longer have Midnight Madness, yep. which is arguably the greatest possible competition we've ever had here in the UK. Yeah, still is. We still, don't still get up there. any funding. Don't get yep. any funding. Uh, our international teams don't get any funding yep. from Sporting England. Basketball courts are limited. Limited. And the access is even more limited. There's one I ever missed. Going back to like outdoor courts. Have you ever seen the courts which are two in one? The ones where are hoops attached to goals. This is what I'm saying. So I'd be getting there nice. You're trying to kill two birds with one stone, which means you have to get in there one early stone. before the football players get there. Otherwise, you're finished. You can't put up shots because they want to play end to end. And there's bare of them because there's only you. As a you going back, as a you, there's only you with one basketball. But all the other kids yeah. want to play end to end and want to kick the ball about. And they're gonna get in your way. I used to despise that. That's not fair. Not fair at all. Not fair. Not fair at all, bro. Oh, mate. And imagine being ones. that one guy, and you're waiting, and you finally jump on court. And the footballers have decided to give you one half court. Cool. Yeah, cool. You and you favour. Appreciate it. That's all I need. Just a hoop, guys. Thank you. But while you're hooping, you got to watch your back because they might boot a ball and knock you out. This is what, That's what I'm, saying. I'm saying. Instead of them to be careful. And then, you know what upsets me the most about that? There Man. is so much grass here in the UK. Just go play over there. You can make goalposts. They have goalposts in the middle of the park. For no, there's so much grass. I can't play hoop. Endless I grass. I can't hoop on grass. I can't hoop on grass. You can play infinite anywhere. grass. Infinite grass. Have you seen Hyde Park? Jesus, <laughs> there's grass, bro. Go over there. Well, leave me, leave me alone. Let me hoop. This is what I'm saying. Limited access to basketball. Limited courts. access. Limited. No midnight madness. Sport England don't rate the international teams. It's hard out here, bro. It's hard to to make it as a youth basketball player. Even the one thing that we had every year, which was the NBA game in London, is no more. No more. They made it the Europe Something game. We to had change. the London game, the global London game, and now it's just a global Europe game. I don't think we're getting it back for a sweet while anyway. We did have it for a long time, and we appreciate what we did have. But us man got used to it, innit? Sorry, we did. It was something to look forward to every year. It was something to look exactly. forward to, and now we don't have anything to look forward to. It's, it's, it, it sucks. It sucks. And I think this is why this episode is so important to me because something needs to change, bro. You Bucks. know, we're making our voices heard, of course, but something needs to change. You know, we need basketball in England. We need that, that vibe. We need the we energy. Do. We do. We, we need a culture. We need, we, need, we need it. That's something. We need that's the culture. You, you said it yourself. We're missing a bit of basketball culture, and that's what is such an important ingredient. But who's to say, who's to say it doesn't bring back in some way? So someone needs to bring it back. Someone, some people, a group of people need to do something and bring that back. I don't know. I'm just saying. We're here to help. I'm just saying. I didn't say anything about us here. I'm just saying. Safe. So we ended there, bro. 
I said we ended there too. It's all good. It's a great episode. All right, guys, that is Win by Two podcast episode three. You know what it is. We just knocked it around from range. That is game. Again, I'm Timmy with the co-host Flo. What are you saying? Say bye to the people then, Flo. Thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned for episode four. That's right. Make sure you uh, download. Make sure you... uh, What's the free again? We always mess this up. It's definitely download. Share... And review. That's it. That's the, I was review. Yeah, share it. So there you go. Download it, so you ain't gotta worry about it, like cutting out on your commutes or whatever. Make sure you uh, share it with anyone and everyone, because this is a big episode. This one, I think, can spark some more talks. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, if you've got something you need to say, get us on Twitter, Win by Two Podcast or Win by Two Pod on Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear what you got to say about hooping in the UK, and of course, review and or comment whatever it may be but send us some five star reviews we appreciate it as always alright follow us that's everything that's everything bro alright it's a bucket game in a bit <laughs> <laughs>